train is called the Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah, we're, there was. Was that not clear? That was not clear. I thought Chris Evans was supposed to be the Snowpiercer. And I was like, <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> That would be the most <laughs> badass nickname ever. Wouldn't it? I would love to. Well, I actually had the same thought. Jamie Snowpiercer Christensen. <laughs> right? I so want to be that. That's so much better than so many of the names at the Coney Island hot dog thing. <laughs> okay, kids. I'm your second grade teacher, Jamie Snowpiercer Christensen. They call me SP for short. Excuse me, Miss Snowpiercer. Daily screening. My name, as always, is Daily. I'm joined today by my lovely wife, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. And my partner in sub-zero Arctic frozen crime, Bartholomew Devon. Hello, Bart. Hey. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, today we're talking Snowpiercer, Bong Juno's sci-fi epic about a uh, train. Traversing the uh, frozen tundra. This is obviously going to be uh, spoiler-tastic, as always. Um, there's a train. <laughs> there's, there's a train. It drives very fast. Um, so, here's what I'm going to say. I think I, I certainly really fucking enjoyed it. In fact, I think of all of the sort of big, sort of summer blockbustery type movies, and I, you know, it's weird to. Because this sort of, I mean, it's certainly a blockbuster in scale and in scope, although it's not in that it's, you know, it's a very, got a very narrow release, it's not playing in a lot of cities, um, but, I mean, I really, really enjoy this. I think this is my favorite of the big summer movies so far. I mean, spoiler, it's it's better than Transformers. It's, that's not a spoiler. That's common sense. Well, uh, Jamie, overall, positive, nay, yay, nay? I mean, my problems with the movie come from I have a really hard time buying into the motivations that have created the society in this particular fashion. Like, I I mean, even before we meet, spoiler, Ed Harris as the wizard, um, I... He's the man behind the curtain of the entire movie. The last, the last, there's a big W on the final gate, and then then his, their final journey into his gate is all lit up yellow. He's the wizard. He's absolutely the wizard. The whole whole movie, because we hadn't seen him, I knew it was going to be somebody famous, and so the whole movie, I was like, I wonder who shall be playing the man behind the curtain. Imagine if they'd gotten James Franco. <laughs> I remembered oh, that it was, so it was Ed better. Harris at the very last I minute. Didn't know. Um, I remember because I remember uh, just seeing his name on a cast list at one point, being like, "Ed Harris is in this movie? Why isn't he in any of the ads?" Uh, and then, like, in that last scene where uh, where he's sitting, uh, where Chris Evans is sitting with uh, Song Kang Ho, and there he's telling the story, uh, which is that God, that scene is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I suddenly remembered, oh yeah, wait, Ed Harris hasn't shown up yet. Ed Harris is the guy behind the last gate. But like, um, I was... So you're saying Ed Harris is the wizard, and I can't help but think of Ed, Ed Harris in like a tall pointy hat with a staff <laughs> and casting spells. Um, casting mustache. Yes. But like, here's my thing. I was already 
having a hard time accepting that if these are the last remaining people in the entire world, as far as they know, yeah. like, that they would set it up this way. Like, maybe I'm just naive, and I know that most people who have a lot will do almost anything to protect it, but I was just having a really hard time accepting that humanity could be so insane that even though these are the last, you know, however many thousands of people in the entire world, that people would be so concerned with safeguarding all of the good stuff that they would be willing to leave so many people with nothing. And, like, maybe it's because I'm more or less socialist by nature, but I'm like, really? You're telling me that you can't, like, people would not be willing to go with just slightly less so that everybody can have a fairly decent way of life. Well, like, I think you're going to leave all these people to nothing just so you can have, you know, sashimi. I think. I, don't <laughs> I think it's pretty telling, though, that and that, you know that Harris says, "Oh, you're the only person who's ever walked the length of the train." And I think you know there's a there's a sense I think that um, the people, whether you're in the the front of the train or the tail of the train. That they don't necessarily have, or, don't or what's going yeah, on. they don't know what's going on in the other sections. Well, essentially, even at Harris, who's you know sort of locked away in his wizard chamber at the front, like he knows what's going on. But I mean, he's he's probably the only guy who knows what's going on, and so it's easier to believe that like one guy had this fucking plan. Well, but the people up in the sorry, the people up in the front don't ever seem to have any seen to, uh, indication that uh, that. They know, they even the recognize that there's tales of suffering, was, just how bad it is. What I was going to say, and the reason why I brought up Ed Harris at the beginning of that, is because what I was going to say was I have, had been having trouble with that the entire movie. And then when we finally get to Ed Harris, and he's, you know, explaining the philosophy of the train, it made even less sense to me. Because he's talking about, like, oh, well, we need this. You know, we need a little bit of, like, fear and upset to sustain the balance. And I was just like, why? Because, again, like, if everybody had a little bit, like, if you brought everyone to the middle, why would you need this sort of fighting and awful torture and death and rebellion? Like, what balance does that sustain? And I just, it, and he was like, and now we have the perfect number of people. Perfect based on what? Like, well, based is on the it, closed system of the train. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't make any sense to me. Because, again, well, if you're spreading out the rations things get a little more even. Like, everyone at the top has so much, and everyone at the bottom has nothing. So how is that a sustainable well, closed his, system? His, no, but that, well, obviously it's not sustainable from a human perspective, but he looks at everything, and again, the fact that this is all taking place on a train, that's sort of a, you know, it's a big metaphor, that it's, it's he looks at it all as as clockwork, as machinery, that yeah. literally when a, when a mechanical part uh, no longer becomes available, he replaces it with a biological part, with a child who just sticks his hand into a machine and turns a crank, and, like, to him it's just swapping out one kind of part for another. Uh, so he's looking at it purely from a numbers standpoint, from a, from a mathematical standpoint, uh, and, and, he, and he kind of, you know, touches on this, saying, well, yeah, you know, if we were all, you know, play, if we were all complacent and, like, happy in the middle, then, you know, we would have been overpopulated, and we would have run out of resources so much faster, and by having this sort of large divide, 
then it's easier to keep control of stuff like population. See, but I don't think so, because like I said, the people who have a lot have so much that you can't tell me that if, you know, we made it more even, we would have run out of stuff faster, because you'd have the same amount of resources, you'd just be sharing them differently. Well, no, but but I, you, he's talking about there being way more people, like population exploded, well, no, and you have again, huge middle class. But I was going to say, and I'll get to the middle class part in a second, because that was another question I had, but if you're treating everyone as equals, I can't imagine that people wouldn't be given the situation that people wouldn't be a little bit more agreeable to like okay here's what we need to do and here's how we need to um maintain the population like we all have responsibilities in order to make this work because i kept thinking about the future like if you ever do get off the train and you're trying to reestablish a society you're going to need everyone pitching right, in right. and oh, yeah, everyone right. being but willing to work together and those people are not going to help you do jack once right, you get off you the train to realize though that I mean, even as acknowledged in the movie, Ed Harris is a nut job. Oh, yeah. And that the people before the great, what do they call it? The, well, the freeze, anyway. Yeah. yeah. They said they, they, he, they thought he was crazy for building this train this way. Exactly. He's, he's a little bit nuts. And his idea, well, more than a little bit nuts, he's yeah. nuts. And so the idea... He's of, a lot of bit nuts. He's a lot <laughs> of bit nuts. And so, so his whole concept of what this utopian society yeah. should be is not the same as what everybody else Yeah, is. it feels a little Walt Disney-ish. Walt Disney yeah, had, like, yeah. all these crazy building little fucking closed communities down in yeah, Florida. I mean, and he clearly had hey, delusions of Hey, do not besmirch the good name of Celebration Florida. <laughs> Celebrate <laughs> Jesus Christ. You do not know No, I forgot that's what it was called. Florida. I forgot that's what it was called. Celebration is a town entirely comprised of people who want to live in Disney World, basically. It's, it's a very homogenized, very tightly controlled little neighborhood. Yeah. Um, no, but that was my next question, though, was I kept wanting to see a middle class. Like, mm-hmm. they even kind of comment as they're moving through the train, and they get to what looks like it would be the middle class. Like, there's bigger beds, there's more space, oh, but yeah, it's still not quite go. as posh, but nobody's there. Yeah. And there's still food on the table and stuff, and they even said, like, wow, it looks like they left in a hurry, but we never find that, found out about them. And because I was thinking, like, there's no way... They don't know what's going on in the tale, especially I because just, this is not the first rebellion. I so. assumed that was the soldiers, the fishy guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. soldiers and the fish. Exactly. What I was thinking, because I had the same thing. I was like, where the hell? Are because you especially when you get to the end, with, when Ed Harris says, "Oh yeah, no, we knew about the rebellion. It was supposed to get to that one car, uh, and then and at the bridge, and then that's that's where we're supposed to end." So I assumed that it was yeah. He knew they were coming, so they cleared everybody out of that car so that they could stonewall them all, like up at the, the middle car there. I mean, I just like. Well, what I didn't understand is when he kept saying that this is to maintain balance. Because I was like, there's nothing balanced about what's going on here. And I couldn't help but think about Hunger Games, where they talk about needing to foster a tiny bit of rebellion because it fosters a little bit of hope. And as long as people feel like they have hope, yeah. they'll keep going day to day and they'll keep pushing. But they're very honest about the fact that doing all of that bolsters their place at the top. Like, yeah. they're very well aware that they have more and everybody else has less, and they like it that way, yeah. and they want to have more, they don't want equality, so that seems to make sense. But, I, well, that was balance, like, there's no balance, well, no, but so that what was, do you mean? It's not about that, but that's... If like he said the status quo, I'd understand well, No, but that was like Harris's whole thing, is that, like, we literally... We, Gilliam is there, John Hurt exists to foster a revolution every 10 or 15 years or whatever, so 
so that we can give people the idea that, oh, maybe we'll, we'll get a little farther this time, and it's happened before, and we can do it again, and then every time we'll just get to a certain point, and they all get killed off, because Gilliam's the inside man. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's just a terrarium. But he just, but I know, but he just kept saying, like, it maintains balance, it maintains balance, and I was like, but what balance? Like, if he had said the status quo, or if he had been it's transparent about, like, this makes the, our it's life not about it's, no, yeah. it's the train. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's to sustain the ecosystem of, of the train. train. Yeah, okay, that's a better way to look exactly. It. And yeah. so, I mean, and that's one of the things that I love. Okay, so now we have to talk about the fucking sushi scene, that's which awesome. is so fucking great <laughs> on so many levels. It's incredibly Korean. Like, I, I, I let's stop moral revolution. Well, yeah, no. Like, it's one of the most Korean things I've ever seen. It's that's part of why I wanted to know how much is based on the original French graphic novel and how much is the movie, just because I was like. Insanely Korean, I can't even. No, it's it. fantastic. So there's a so there there uh, you know Chris Chris Evans is Chris Evans is leading the revolutionary charge through the, from the back of the train to the front of the train, and uh, eventually they get to a part sort of right in the middle. That's basically it's a giant wraparound aquarium train, uh, and. Tilda Swinton, who, oh my god, we'll, we'll have to come back to that. This is the first time I've ever liked Tilda Swinton in anything. Oh my god, incredible. So, but Tilda Swinton sort of offhandedly says, does anybody want sushi? And then the camera it keeps... sounds like a joke. Yeah, exactly. But then the camera keeps panning, and no, there's a fucking sushi bar there. Yep. And there's so, a chef making, like, adorable little rolls. And, and they all stop and have a little fish. sushi break. Yeah. It's fucking great. It's so good. But then, but she stops and explains, like, oh no, we only, you can only get sushi twice a year in January and July, because we have to, the, the aquarium is a very precise ecosystem, and we have, we have to control, like, the fish populations, uh, and, you know, so we, we couldn't have sushi all the time, because we'd run out of fish, uh, so we do it in very, you know, controlled, measured, uh, you know, increments uh, at, at certain times, and that's exactly how the train works. You know, the train is a closed ecosystem, so every X number of years, they foster this revolution to... You know, excise a certain percentage of the population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly so what it is. I hope the future, so you'll appreciate this. I was thinking this. I was like, I feel like hopefully the future would actually be more like Star Trek, where we would actually agree that we all just need to like be nice to each other and Absolutely. share things and not be such jerks all the time, so that we can all have like, no, you cannot have a fifteen-bedroom house for your four-person family. But you can have a very nice house that is a nice size, and everyone gets one. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a perfectly well, decent house. And solid floors. <laughs> God damn it. If you're going to have a future, you put the, like, gravels no. on the floor that never works. Yeah. <laughs> shit never works out. Uh, no, that's, you're right. I mean, and that's one of the things that still sets Star Trek apart, or at this point more the early Star Trek, because Abrams' Star Trek has certainly gone down a sort of darker path, um, that it's so optimistic, and it's... So, I mean, it's essentially utopian, but not, it doesn't feel like brainwashed, like happy-go-lucky. Like, there's still problems, and there's still conflict, but it's it's a world where, like, people got over the bull, just the bullshit stuff. Like, there's no monetary economy, and there's, uh, you know, every, every, there's no hunger, there's no famine, there's no, you know, war on Earth, you know? Um, they, they just got over, like, the petty domestic bullshit. I understand it on more what you guys are saying about it. It's for him because he's crazy. It's about the train yeah. and yeah. not the actual people. It's about the engine. But it's just so insane to me because, again, I also just kept thinking about Battlestar where they actually... So did I. Where, yeah, where they were constantly thinking about, like, what's going to happen after this war? Like, yeah. once we actually have a planet to live on again, 
How can we maintain humanity now so that we're better equipped to reestablish society? And so the whole time yeah. I just kept thinking, like, you cannot reestablish society. Like, you have screwed everything up and you cannot reestablish society. But Ed Harris society. clearly has no interest in no, that. No, I, 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 I'm with you on that keep, now. Keep keep the train is going yeah. forever and ever The engine is eternal. Yeah. Yeah. sacred. Exactly. It's funny because I've actually been, I'm, I'm watching Battlestar now, and the whole thing is to... It's, the, it's always the population. It's never the ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never the fleet. It's always, it's always the, people. the people. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just was watching. I've been watching. I just watched the other day the episode where uh, where Rosalind decides to outlaw abortion because oh, you're ahead of me right now. Because yeah. uh, because of population, like the idea that the human population yeah. will go extinct. I was, right well, no, I was thinking years. about that too because I was thinking about the little kids in the tail section. I was like, who would have a child on this train? Yeah. Like, I don't care what well, I, I have to do. Birth control is... Well, no. Problems are extinct. No, no, but here's what, I was thinking, <laughs> here's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't care what it would mean. I don't care if I had to be alone for my entire life. Like, I would not put myself in a position to be pregnant in that place. Yeah. I, I don't care what it would mean. I don't it's care tough. if it meant I lived my entire life alone, like, never speaking to another human being. Well, I would not get pregnant and have a child on that train. And so I was thinking about Battlestar and about how they kind of had the opposite thing, where they were trying to have as many kids as possible because they were dying so quickly. Well, it's true, but then again, you're also of the privileged position of, you know, knowing the world as it is now. And that's another thing that they touch on throughout the movie, is the idea of, like, oh, train babies. Like, oh, you don't really remember the world before the train or whatever, and so to them, it's not like, you know, oh, I, I, I survived this 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 no, environment, so I, I had a kid, and they could do it. If no, I could do it, so could my but kid. But that doesn't mean I have to bring anyone else into it. Even if I had never remembered the world as it was, I don't think I could ever no, bring a child, if I were in the tail section, perfectly I don't think I could ever bring a child Absolutely. into that um, situation. But also, and here's another thing that I found interesting. For the first few minutes of the movie, I was having a debate with myself about how quickly the world froze. Yeah. Um, because... It almost seemed like certain things on the train, if this was a coincidence, which it seems like it, it is, once they got further into the train and started more, learning more about him yeah. and about his train, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like he had more or less put that emotion well before the chemical. Like, I know the teacher said, yeah. like, oh, he knew that the chemical, he probably didn't. It was probably just... Well, he was a doomsday. He already, he's a doomsday he doomsday already part, had his crazy train yeah. emotion. Yeah. Yeah. He's but essentially certain, a really wealthy doomsday. But certain part. things, I, I mean... Maybe, but, like, they never said that. But, like, certain things on that train seemed almost like they were planned because of this situation. So for a a certain part of the beginning of the movie, I thought maybe they had a few years' notice, you know, when things started to freeze and people started to die and they were able to, like, start equipping the train. But but then, obviously, they then say, no, it really has been the exact amount of time. Like, things froze immediately and everyone got on the train and it's been 17 years. Right. I I mean, before we got to the school sequence... I was I was like this is all bullshit. This is a train. They had to they they built a train. They built the tracks for a train that goes all the way around yeah, the world, world somehow. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, across the ocean. But yeah, yeah. this was interesting. Yeah. But, all right. You got those voiceover uh, uh, news clippings at the beginning over the credits where it, so it at least you get a sense of like well the CW7 or something was CW7. Uh, where there was a sense of like, well, they, well, there was a lot of debate, and all these countries were doing it together, and it was like this big global effort. So I, I find it very easy to believe that this guy who was obsessed with trains was already building this like giant, huge train uh, to like travel the world for you know, so that he could live on a train forever. Well, well, and then saw this stuff happening and went, oh, like got all crazy and went, oh, well, I'm going to make sure I can survive. I, I don't think so. I think that 
I mean, the sense that I got is that he he built. I mean, they said that he built it as a as a basically a luxury liner. Yeah, and yeah, they, and, and based on the you know the, the the speech at the end about what happened with the back of the train. Well, at the very beginning, Tilda Swinton or somebody called them freeloaders. So it, or whatever, it made it yeah. sound like the tail section people almost just like jumped right, on right, right. Oh, yeah. once they saw that which, it was death or train, which, which yeah. made a lot of sense exactly. given that it took them a month or something to start producing the protein the protein bars. Bars, Yeah. So that first month, it looked like they weren't prepared for that Absolutely, for them to be yeah. there at all. No, I think you're. I think you're totally right. Um, but this is this is what I love the most about this movie. I feel like like this argument that we're having right now. But like, well, what did he did he anticipate it? Like the idea that that uh, this is actually a fully developed world. You know that, that that it isn't just sort of like oh, there's people on a train and they fight each other and shit. Like no, no, there's all these great. Uh, little verbal tics and like, like whenever something they don't say something, we've run out of something. They say it's extinct. Bullets are extinct. Cigarettes are extinct. Yeah. Uh, like the, the the way they talk. The, uh, what do I want? And the whole wide train, you know, yeah. into the whole wide world. The cold arm when they punish a guy by sticking his arm out the train. That shit's fucked up. I know, but like this is like the way seeing like oh, someone put the thought into like, okay, how would you actually? How would it actually work if you were on a train and like you, you had to punish someone? Would you throw them off the train? No. If you, well, it's frozen outside, you could just like stick their limb out and they calculate how oh, seven minutes because we're at this altitude or whatever. It's it reminds me of all of my favorite yeah. stuff, stuff like Pacific Rim, where it's like no, no, no. There's a whole they they actually thought out the entire ecosystem of this world and not just like yeah, fucking robots and monsters and there's a train and it's cold. Like there's there's really a lot of care taken in. Yeah, the the, the cold thing made me think about like, can they really survive outside the train? Like now that we've seen that, am I really to believe that they can survive outside the train? At the end, did they just happen to be at a lower altitude? Like, That's, I, don't, I mean, yeah. that the whole arm thing really casts doubt on whether or not they can survive us. There are two, there, I had the same thought. There are two things that I thought that I was willing to give it a pass. The first was, yes, the altitude. They taught, make a point of saying, well, you're at a certain altitude and only need seven minutes or whatever. So, okay, so they could be, I mean, yes, they were clearly like on the side of a mountain, but they could be at a lower altitude. That's fine. Uh, but the other thing is, a, a big part of how that works is the fact that the train is moving at such mm-hmm. high speed. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's cold outside, but also, yeah, that wind shear is just, you know, exponentially worse. Oh, yeah. So, uh, But then, oh, man. But that was the, brilliant, though, how they, they, did, they did that, and yeah. then the reveal of... Yes, about uh, how uh, John Hurt lost his limb. Well, yeah, later, but, I mean, just because they just showed him. With yeah, because yeah, you, you, you just assume... Oh, he's been punished multiple times. Yeah, he got punished. Yeah. Yeah, and then later, and, he, but all, and then all of his prosthetics are so great too. He's yeah, got the he's umbrella like, arm. Yeah, and, like, yeah. he's got a stump leg and an umbrella arm. It's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, um, and that's a great reveal too. And that I think the when you find out how he actually lost his limbs, um, I mean, I think that speaks a lot to what you were saying earlier about your saying. Well, why wouldn't people just want to have a you know sacrifice a little of their resources, give a little bit, have a little bit less, so other people can have more? I mean, that's. Exactly what you see in the tail section is that eventually people, when faced with that sort of ultimate choice of like, I gotta kill this baby or I can cut my arm off, I'll cut my fucking arm yeah, off. Yeah, but you know? it'd be nicer if the entire train well, yes, no, but I'm saying that you're saying, like, I can't believe people wouldn't do that. But I think saying, well, that some people like, would do that, some people would I not get, do yeah, that. Yeah, and I get that you're saying, you know, that especially if the middle class was 
entirely comprised of soldiers, then it's possible that they've kept the existence of the tail section a secret from mm-hmm. the people at the top of the train. But, I don't know. It just looks well, crazy to me that people don't know. Well, it seems like... Especially because they teach about the Seven. Yeah. Or yeah. both of the Seven. So mm-hmm. it's not like they don't... They know them. That, okay, I just now thought of that. But that means that the people at the top of the train know that there are other people on the train who are revolting. Like, do they never ask why? Oh, no, no, no. I think they, they know about that. Are interested in why no, they like, revolted? Like, do they think they just wanted to so get off the train? Though, that, I guess. Well, no, I guess but I mean, they just tell them, oh, well, they wanted to get off the train. They didn't appreciate the train. Well, it could they be that. They enough to think they could live without our God, the train. It could be that, but it could also just be that, oh, they know that, like, life is shittier in the tail section. Like, obviously, the people in the front don't ever go, yeah, I want to let's go. Let's go spend a weekend in the tail section. See what's going on down there. Like obviously, everybody lives in their in their place. Know your you know know your place. Keep your place. Um, but I think it's a matter of like them not knowing just how bad it is. Because when you think of even the people in the tail section don't know how bad they have it because they don't know what's in those fucking protein bars. Like there's uh, Ed Harris is really the only one guy who knows. Everything that's yeah. going on in that train. He Even Tilda Swinton doesn't know. He's Colonel Sanders in the basement a little bit. Yeah. That seemed to me, though, like, I don't know. That revealed, that revealed it and, like, hit me the way I could tell they wanted it to hit me. I was just kind oh, of the like. Thing? Yeah, I was like. Bugs. I know. I was like, they're bugs. That's viable protein. Like, really, of all the other injustices that are being thrust upon you, you're mad that you're eating bugs. People eat bugs to survive all the damn time. People eat bugs. All of the other things. Exactly. I mean, I ate termites recently. I did. Like, of all the other things that are going on, the fact that they're giving me bugs to eat as a put, like, it's blue gel goop. Like, did you really think it was something delicious? Like, did you think they were processing up chicken to give you your creepy blue gel goop? Like, that is not... I was like, okay, you're eating bugs. So what? Like, that's the least of your problem. (laughs) You guys came through a train car where you had guys with axes and other guys... Coating them with blood before they killed you for reasons I still don't quite understand. Because Korea. Exactly. (laughs) You just lived through a hellscape, but the fact... And like, and then we eventually find out, Chris Evans, you've eaten people, but you're going to be all precious about the fact that you're eating cockroaches? No. That reveal did not work Also, the fish just... I mean, I remember because they, they had the food being like, I'm so sick of this shit, blah, blah. And then the fish. It's like this beautiful, freshly caught fish. I know. I was like, I was oh, like where the fuck did you get that and then, from? But then you find out about the aquarium. Hilariously, because I dislike sushi so much that when they were like cockroaches, I was like, whatever. And then they were like, here, have some sushi. I was like, gross. So, okay, so, so they have that battle uh, on the, in the train car on the bridge. And that's a great. So Park Chan-wook uh, is a producer on this movie, mm-hmm. um, and I, which I think I was aware of and had forgotten. But you know, he his, his, he's famous for well, among, among many movies, uh, Old Boy. And one of the big scenes from Old Boy, there's a famous scene where the main character fights a bunch of guys in the hallway, mm-hmm. and he, he it, it, he's got he's just got a hammer, and he just beats his way down. You know, and it's, with a hammer, exactly. But it's it's beautiful and because it's, it's all. Gadgets. It's all done in one tracking shot. Uh, so, like a side-scrolling video game, basically. So oh. you just see him making his way through this like swarm of people, um, and it's and it's great, and it's beautiful, and it's fucking fantastic. Um, and that I had that a similar sense, especially in that fight scene over the bridge. That sense of like claustrophobic, 
combat, you know? That like, it's all very confined. It's, I just yeah. can't yeah. stopping for New Year's. It's all just so Korean. I love that. The, 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 the bridge the one marks New Year's. Is so Korean. I know. Everything just the fucking, so like, Korean. Superman the pose. The gestures yeah. and the little songs and the fact that, like, it's the uncanny. It's the fact that, like, everything looks like something you're familiar with, yeah. but it's really eerie and unsettling, which is how almost, like, everything in English is in Korea. It's yeah. like, you almost got it. Yeah. It's just a little off in a If the engine way. ever stops, we'll all freeze and die. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Korean, I can't handle it. great. I love that shit. I remember the, the end of that classroom theme part, you just, like, turned a... Like, look over at me with this, like, look of, like, horror and confusion on your face. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? He had the shoe on his head. I was like, <laughs> oh, right. Oh, here, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Because can I just say, that whole thing about when she's like, know your place, know your place, and, like, I'm a hat and you're a shoe. <laughs> so was, no, here's why it was not, like, super working for me. Was because... Well, no, because there is a whole thing in a very early, like... The, literally, I think the first Friends episode where Rachel has walked out of her wedding and she's on the phone with her father trying to explain why she walked out of the wedding. And yeah. she's like, Daddy, it's as if my whole life someone's told me, you're a shoe, you're a shoe, you're a shoe, you're a shoe. And then one day I woke up and I was like, what if I don't want to be a shoe? What if I want to be a hat? No, I don't want you to buy me a hat. I'm saying I am a hat. It's a metaphor, Daddy. And Ross is like, you can see where he'd have trouble. And so the whole time she's constructing this elaborate shoe hat metaphor. And you like, can't help but think of Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, like, Fred's already did this. Um, Tilda Swinton. Oh my god. Tilda Swinton and those teeth. Fucking forever and always. That scene where she just took them out. For no reason! No reason. Also, thought, so Korean in her. I thought she was gonna pull out, like, one little tooth. Yeah, like the one with the cap on it. I kind of looked away because I didn't want to see her rip out a tooth. And then when I looked back up, I was like, wait, she just took out all of her teeth. What just happened? So fucking great. Such a weird you little know, character. Movie, movie. Movie. It reminded me of the scene in Batman 89. Yeah. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. <laughs> or, 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 or when he spits the like chomping denture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blood around. with the chomping denture. And I was yeah. like, what the what? Yeah. Uh, and then it just cuts. It just cuts. Yeah. Yeah, just because it's creepy and weird. Awesome. Um... I had a really weird moment at the beginning. Yeah. I knew literally nothing about this Me movie either. except the title. Okay. I knew nothing. And the only wow. reason I knew the title is because Daly said, we're going to go see Snowpiercer. <laughs> Man. And I was like, all right. That is what I said. Yeah. And so we get to the movie and it starts. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then there's this guy. And I was like, I know that voice. And I didn't recognize him as Chris Evans. Captain for, America. For like fucking 15 minutes. I was like, <laughs> Wait a minute. And I, like, I remember sitting there, I was like, who? I'm gonna, by the time this movie's over, I'm not gonna look it up, I'm gonna figure out who you are. And I was like, oh, it's Captain America. <laughs> Hell. Okay, I knew it was called Snowpiercer, I knew Chris Evans was in it, I knew we'd been getting very good reviews, and I knew it was Bong Juno. That's all I know about it. You haven't seen the host, have you, Jamie? No. And I know part you haven't seen it yet. Let's have a host date, Jamie. You come over and watch it anytime. It's fucking great. It's basically I, Korean who invited, who invited jobs. You? <laughs> Fine, whatever. I mean, 
I'm only the one who owns the DVD, but it's cool. How violent I have is Netflix. Because I was going to say, I love a lot of things about Korea, but their cinema does tend toward the, like, gory violence, and that's why I don't watch a lot of it. I mean, there... Because I can't take it. There is and some... you can only look away for so long when you have to read something. Yeah, you spend a lot so, of time looking away in yeah, this movie. <laughs> that's why I would just, like, whisper to Daylight and be like, tell me if I miss anything plot relevant. <laughs> like, yeah. if somebody important dies, just whisper that to me later, because I don't want to watch people get picked apart with hatchets. I would glance up every now and then because I did want to see like what Bong Joon-ho was doing yeah. and like, how he was filming it and how it looked and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't want to watch everyone get hacked apart. Like I just don't do, especially with like that kind of close quarters. Fight, yeah, you know, I just don't want to watch it. I actually thought that a lot of the violence wasn't visually. It wasn't a lot of like gore. Uh, there's there's a lot of blood splattering, um, but you don't really see a lot of really. Close-up, you know, holes and you know wounds and no, shit like that. It's not like knives going into people. You don't know what it's gonna be when it no, no, starts. No, 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 you don't. The only way to find out is to watch it, and once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. So but, I prefer to just well, look away. Know, I mean, what it is? It's only what it is. It's a lot of uh, X two. It's Wolverine in the mansion. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, he's stabbing somebody, but they're cutting away just in time. Or it's dark. Yeah, no, no. Or... I agree. When I yeah. did glance up, they were doing lots of amazing things with light. Especially yeah. because they're, the idea with part of this fight is that they're in a tunnel. And right. So, like, some people have night vision goggles and some people don't. And then they bring in the torches and stuff like that. Only... So all of that was amazing, going in and out of the light and everything. It was beautiful, but I just didn't want to watch it. The only it. part of the night vision thing that caught me a little bit sideways was that... That, I mean, theoretically, it was first-person view of, of someone switching first-person views, yeah. which would suggest that someone was like in the middle of this horrible axe battle, was just staring Watching. at Swinton. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that was what I was saying. What I thought that was interesting, and maybe I have misunderstood night vision goggles this whole time. But when they go for the matches and they go for the torches, I thought. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're wearing night vision goggles and someone pops in front of you with a torch, you're basically going to go blind, yes. right? Like, I thought that's what it was. I thought it magnified what little light there was. Yeah, no, I feel, I mean, movies lied to me. No, 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 Your whole song about learning things from movies, right? <laughs> Apparently movies have lied to me. That's not because untrue. Because I thought that's why they were bringing torches, but then the way it's shot, it's very clear that the torches are just to give them light yes. by which to see. Exactly. So that they can fight back. Right. And I was like, but wait, why is it having no effect on the night vision? Well, it does, it's not that it's bright enough. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. It's not enough light. Like, I've used night vision scopes uh, in the past, and it's not that it would... Not that it... I don't mean permanently blind you. No, no, no yeah. Like, no. When, you, when someone, like, flashes a camera flash in your face. But that's much, no, that's much brighter. The problem is, like, you got to think of it as, well, it's a long, narrow train car, and they're literally running up to me from a distance with torches. So as soon as you see many light sources coming at you, like, you just you just take, take them off. The yeah. It's suddenly... Yeah, it was suddenly, like... They came out of the tunnel, and the windows were full of light. Then, yeah, they would lose. Or, or if they threw a flash bomb or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be it's, different. It's like bumping up the ISO on your camera. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's fun. Um, but the I, I, visually, I think a lot of the violence is pretty restrained. It's the sound that is what really. Yeah. Like, oh my god, there was one, and I meant to bring that up, but I'm so glad you said it because I was like, this is one of the few. I've ever seen where I can look down and I can know I can't look back up again purely by the sound. Yeah. And like someone is very slowly being stabbed right now. Well, like, yeah. Really incredibly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Excellent. There was, there was, there's the guy. There's the guy in the sauna when they're yeah. fighting in the saunas, and the guy who 
he gets stabbed through the hand, saving Chris Evans. Yeah, running jumpy guy. But yeah, he gets slowly stabbed through, and yeah, that, that sound is just great. But it's the same thing in that slow motion uh, where, where Chris Evans is fighting in the in the tunnel, in the... Uh, in the train? In, in the... Thank you, the train. In the train? No, in the, on the bridge fight. Which part was that? Um, the yeah. fight on the bridge, and yeah. it's just... All the all the sound drops out except for Chris Evans breathing mm-hmm. and his like arms swinging through the air and whatever like blood splatter like hacking noise that it makes and like right if you had your eyes closed if you were looking away like it would seem really violent but visually it's just sort of like basically just hitting guys with a club like for what you're actually seeing it's yeah. not actually that mm-hmm. bad the, the first one I think the first moment we got of that was when the guy is punished in his arm and they. They hit him with sledgehammer. Just the noise of them hitting the arm. Yeah. Or no, not even that. It was the tapping. Yeah. Oh they yeah. yeah. Tapped his arm. They tap his arm. Just like, <gasps> but then when they hit it with the giant hammer, they yeah. cut away. Yeah. They cut away, so you don't actually but see his arm shatter. You still hear it though. You hear it, but you you don't see the arm shatter. But what you do see, like thirty so seconds later, pieces of his arm. Yeah, they're floor. sweeping away. The like, there's a hand and there's another chunk over there, but they're just like white. Out of focus things in the background, yeah. you can tell one's a hand, yeah. but that's even better. I like yeah. that even more. Yeah, that's just frozen through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking great. The other thing that I loved was the uh, so you know, you feel like okay, it's a train, it's gonna feel repetitive, you know. But obviously, there's a lot of different. There's the sauna room, there's the aquarium, yeah. there's the classroom. Like yeah. every part of the train feels very different. Um, I googled it, just for reference. I googled that in the original graphic novel, the train was designed to have a thousand and one cars. Hmm, so cool. that's the length we're talking about. Well, yeah, and at the very end, that like last shot of the train Wait, with the avalanche coming down, like that's the first time you really see. Yeah, but I, I the thought of that what train. was good too was the when they're going around the curve. The curve, yeah, the curve is amazing. Yeah, and the guy, you know, one of the villains, can stand in one car mm-hmm. and shoot straight Across. into the, into Chris Evans' that's, car because of the curve. That's and because so smart. The train is so massive. Okay, can we yeah. talk about that guy for a second? That was one. Bad motherfucker. <laughs> why, why was he a zombie? Why? Well, yeah. <laughs> he was very clear. I was thinking the whole movie is when, as soon as he stood up and he walks into the next room and he's like going to the um, Korean dad and the girl. All I yeah. could think of was that now I don't remember what movie it's from, but where someone just keeps hitting somebody like, "Why won't you just die? Yeah. <laughs> this guy seriously a, never dies." I know. Bad motherfucker. <laughs> Who had, like, no name, no character. He was no. just the guy who killed people. Yeah. Really active, really Let's proficient henchman. See what his name was. In the movie? That's yeah. A question. Vlad Ivanov. His name was Franco the Elder. Oh, because there was his, like, younger brother who gets impaled on the pole. Oh, yeah. And so he was Franco the Younger. So it was Franco the Elder and Franco the Younger. Really creative parents. Like James Franco? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Franco? Exactly like him. Um, I really liked Jamie Bell in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did too. Even Although though, I'm going to say yeah. that reveal also did nothing for me because it seemed pretty obvious at that point. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they talked about it before, like, oh, he does, I'm not who he thinks he I am. Worship and, me the way he does. Yeah, exactly. But as soon as he started telling the story, I was like, and the baby's Jamie Bell. Mm-hmm. But the... the uh, at first I thought, and the baby was me, but then I did the math, and I was like, no, wait, that baby's yeah, not you. So well, he that said baby he was on Jamie Bell. I had yeah. that same thought, but I was like, no, he said he was on Earth. Or any, yeah. like even no, that's why it's like he was not a trained yeah. baby. I think Bell does really great work um, in that he is a little bit of a comic relief in this movie. I mean, he yeah. he's not really like you know making jokes or anything, but he's breaking the tension a lot of times. 
Um, and but he's also like a character that you care about, even though it is clear from like moment one that he is not long for this world. Oh like, yeah, it is only so a matter of time. Started, yeah. I was like, you're gonna. Oh, uh, Chris had inside. I was like, you are not gonna last this movie. I was like, you're the Bucky Barnes. Yeah, you're not getting out of this. It was, like, it was so I'm obvious. Sorry, but, I, but it was okay. Like I was, I was still okay with that. Um, and and it was nice to see. I li- actually liked that moment though when when. Curtis when is presented with a choice. Yeah, exactly. And it, cause, just because it feels like something you don't see that often. his face looks so sad. When I know. Well, him. no, but you don't. Even see though you him. totally understand why he couldn't choose him, it's a greater good kind of thing. Right, right. and that's one of the things you don't see. Like so often, I feel like that sort of the Hollywood model is it, when presented with that moment, you go back to your friend. Yeah, the hero goes back to his friend. Especially friends. once you eventually yeah. find out about right. who he is exactly. and what he means to Chris Evans. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's, it's much sadder that he just leaves him. I mean, it's that moment in the Matrix, the big choice, yeah, that screws everything up. If he goes back for Trinity when he really shouldn't be, exactly. And so, like, and, and and that's and that's again, like that Hollywood model is, it's like, oh, he does the thing he shouldn't do. He goes back to save the one guy who means something to him, yep. and then later on, it will be revealed that. If he hadn't done that, like, we would have been fucked. And doing that is, like, what makes him so awesome, you know? Right. So I actually liked that it was, no, he was all about the cause. And no, nobody was bigger than the cause, which I, which I love. Yeah. That's my question, though. Why does Jamie Bell have a British accent? Well, it is an Irish accent. Well, no, but I was going to say, and that's the thing, though. That's what makes it even more interesting, because that's not Jamie Bell's actual yes. accent. Jamie Bell is English. Mm-hmm. That was Irish. Yep. Nobody else in the tail section appears to have that accent. John Hurt's got he an English accent. He is a train accent. baby. Yeah. Where did that accent come from? What about the mother? Well, he but him. she died well, he when he was an infant. Him. Yeah. Who raised him to have that accent? Well, it could just be another person who also died before the movie started. I mean... But, but that, like... I don't know. It just seemed odd that no one else had that accent, especially because it isn't Jamie Bell's actual yeah. voice. It's an accent he's putting on. Someone made a conscious choice to make him have that accent, and I want to know why, because it doesn't seem to go with anything. No one else has that accent! Well, I think there's a sense... Like Irish people. Yeah, well... I guess, but, like, with the Korean dad and daughter, it makes sense, because, like, he's Korean, she was born on the train, like, of course he would speak to her in Korean. Well, Well, I think it goes... I think it's just... Honestly, it feels almost more like texture... Just trying to give more of an international feel to all the people on the train, even though most of the main characters are sort of American, um, aside from yeah, Kang Ho Song. Um, uh, I can't remember his name in the movie. That's why I keep calling him Korean Dad and Daughter. She, her name was Yuna. I remember, but what was his name? Nam. His name was Nam. Nam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the little notes in the pellets were also like, okay, these are all clearly those are coming world. from a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, like, you are clearly being this manipulated. Evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So dumb. I know. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yes, I made an answer. So, what do you guys think when Ed Harris is spelling out his grand plan mm-hmm. and you know explaining that Gilliam's actually kind of a bad guy yep. and at least bought into Ed Harris's version of balance? Do you think that before he saw Timmy in the bottom of the train, that he was going to go onto his side? Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Because I was having a debate with myself about whether or not I thought he would. Because after everything he's been through, I feel like if I were confronted with Ed Harris, and not even if I were confronted with Ed Harris, based on the character he's been the entire movie, I can't see him switching. Like, I understand that, like, he 
trusted Gilliam and he loved Gilliam and like he even says like I don't want to remember anything before I met Gilliam. Like yeah. Gilliam's made him the man he is today. Yeah, and he says over and so, over again he doesn't want to be the, the leader, he wants Gilliam to be the leader. Right. right so I right. understand why finding out that like Gilliam agreed with this yeah. and like was on the side of it might turn him a little Sway, to yeah. at least was, consider see, it. See, I thought it was more But it didn't seem fitting. No, I what I thought it was more was that when Ed Harris said to him, you can save them all from themselves. Maybe he you thought can, he could you do can, better. Yeah, do better. Yeah. Like if he's the leader, he right. can maybe give it more equality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give it more legitimate balance. Yeah, maybe get rid of the, yeah, yeah, maybe get rid of the bug protein bars. Yeah. And I mean, I thought it was, it, it give was, him a chance to do it better. Right, I thought it was the combination. Because he established long ago that he did not want to be the leader. But I think it was the loss, the, the psychological loss of Gilman. Yeah. Um, plus, the, you know, just plus the idea that maybe you could make it better. And he's already there, and the whole thing. It's just like, it's just like a moment. He's weak. He's psychologically yeah. in a vulnerable place. He's been place. broken down. Exactly. Well, like, and, but even I mean, when, he had a breakdown the scene before. But even when he was kicking the door. she grabs the fork, you know, grabs the fork and starts, like, clawing at the ground, How he doesn't, because she's clawing. But he oh, didn't, right. he didn't know what was going to be under the ground. And I feel like if he were already fully on Ned Harris's side, he wouldn't have helped her. You know, like he wouldn't right. have helped her prior no, before he was words, and he wouldn't have like rushed her. Like, he wasn't fully on his side. He yeah. was, it was like mid brainwashing. He's, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's on the fence. Yeah, yeah. It could go either way. No, exactly. And I think it, it's that that sense of again that the, the train is eternal. The engine is eternal. There's there's nothing there's nothing he could do. You know, this is just if if the train's going to keep moving, there's, this is the only way to keep it moving. Like the only way to save everyone yeah. is to actually is to buy and do exactly. But I love that to play a role. Uh, what was that second little kid's dog? Oh, the, uh, the kid, the redhead kid who climbs yeah, into the yeah, engine. Yeah. Yeah. I could not understand almost. because it was like he didn't appear until Chris Evans had already stopped the engine. Mm-hmm. So like clearly he knew that if this happened, he was supposed to perform a certain task, and he literally appeared from the woodwork in yeah. order to do that mm-hmm. task. Yeah, he literally came out of the yes, woodwork. That's right. But I don't know what that task was. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. I want to know though. It was, it was. It was just to provide a. Visible, what what this what could happen, yeah, and, the, and these and these kids are basically brainwashed at this yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's exactly. Yeah. But I think that's actually one of the, the great moments of the end, though, is that his idea. Arm thing. Well, yeah, it, well, yeah. There's that great foreshadowing. Yeah, yes, it was an arm. He can't be a leader of two arms, yeah. um, which is a line that made no sense whatsoever when he first said it. I was like, what? It'd be better to have two arms. You're far more useful. And so then, when you find out what he actually means, right. it mm-hmm. means so. But much that's more. what I actually love about this movie is this, and it, and again, I think this is like a very Korean thing is the sense of sort of like a puzzle box nature to it where you don't necessarily understand everything that's going on as it happens, and, like, you re- you have to pay attention, you have yeah. to watch the whole movie, like and that. later on they will reveal things that make other things make more yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I like that, because they don't dumb it down. No, like, we'll get there eventually. Tons of replay value. Yeah. Um, tons of replay value in this. And there is, that, I think, that moment at the end where, you know, where he finds Timmy, and, like, that's where he, he reverses and re-changes yeah. his mind. I mean, because it's the he. he if he still has what Ed Harris doesn't, which is his humanity, yeah. which is like the recognition that Timmy is not a mechanical part to be substituted mm-hmm. into your engine. No, you know, Ed Harris was just the keeper of the engine. Mm-hmm. He was a part of the train. He was, exactly. He's saying that we are, you know, the, the train is is the world we're and we are the humanity. But yeah, we being everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just too depressing to think that he might go inside. But I understand that draw to like. 
maybe I could do it better. Like, if I were in yeah. charge, maybe I can make it better. Absolutely. Just, uh, I, don't even, I don't even want to... Like, I wasn't even there with it. It's just the only way you can save everybody. The only way to keep everything, keep everyone alive, yeah. is to keep the train going. Because the train is the only thing that's helping everyone, which is true. Yeah. Um, and, they, and, I mean, it literally gets spelled out over the course of their journey, like, oh, well, you can't just, like, seize the water plant because the water all comes from the front. The okay. train's got to keep moving and collecting snow from the front so that it can turn it into water in the back, you know? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I will say, and it's a testament to, I think, Chris Evans. And, and it's interesting because I had heard, one of the few things I had heard about this movie before we saw it is the praise that Evans was getting yeah. um, for his performance. And for most of the movie, I was having trouble seeing that just because for as interesting as the character is, it's a very quiet character. He doesn't oh, talk yeah. much. You know? So you kind of... Also very So crazy. for most of the movie, you kind of I was kind of wondering, like, the movie, I understand why people are so interested in the movie, but I'm having trouble seeing why people are singling out Evan specifically because he doesn't say or do much. But this was a movie where it can be so goofy in times, like oh, yeah. with the sushi, and there were definitely a lot of laughs in our theater. Oh, and I yeah. feel like if you just take the words at face value, like, the thing I hate the most about myself is I know what people taste like, mm-hmm. and I know that babies taste the best. Yeah. That could... That could come that off could silly. Come yeah. off awful. That could so be really silly. Yeah. So silly. Dead silence in our theater. Right. Our theater that laughed at so many things right. did not laugh at that line. And I remember being specifically... Very happy because you know we've been to some movies with so many terrible audiences yeah. who would have laughed at that Absolutely. because the words themselves are funny. But if you really think about what he's saying and the way in which he says it, it's the saddest, it's, most it's horrifying thing in the entire world. Absolutely, yeah. and in fact, and that, I was thinking the same thing. You know, so we we saw this at the Brattle, and it's why we haven't been there in a bit, and I really miss it uh, because when you when we go see movies at the Brattle or the Coolidge. It, the audiences are just better. More serious they, they actually are there to watch a movie as opposed to, like, when we go to the commons. Like, if we'd seen this movie at the common or at Fenway, like, people, yeah, they would have absolutely, yeah. it would have been, like, 15-year-olds who were giggling at that line yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, babies, I know yeah. what people taste like. That's like having a dick in your mouth. You know what it tastes like. Oh, fucking no. How you doing, Jamie? It's fucking not tragic. No, me. No, that's where a fifteen-year-old would have gotten with it. Is my exact point. You know, or me, whatever. It's cool. Sophomore. To be I mean, I'm not going to say when he said that I didn't recognize the humor of it. Yeah. But I didn't you understand. But if I'm you, a grown ass right, man. But also, if you think about like what he's really saying, like it's yeah. tragic. Yeah, it's, it's oh, so it's tragic. Horrifying. Yeah. And the fact it's that horrifying. You at some point in his life. He must have actually had that thought, like, oh, I prefer baby to adult, like, it's tender or something. And you think it without really recognizing it, and then as soon as the thought fully forms in your head, you want to kill yourself, you know? You're just like, how did I just think that? Like, yeah. how is that a thing I actually just thought I'm a terrible human being? Yeah. I So as soon as the credits rolled, I went to the bathroom because there was only one very, very, very tiny bathroom at the Brattle, and I wanted to avoid the crowd. Yeah. Um... And as I was walking back into the theater, I crossed these two women who had also just seen the movie, and one of them was saying to the other, like, I, I guess it's just a guy movie. What? Or what? something like that. No way. And I was so angry, because I feel like people say stuff like that offhanded, and it creates so many problems mm-hmm. in terms of, like, like, like what women like are movies. allowed to like, yeah. and what men are allowed to like, That's and bullshit. how movies are marketed, and how movies are made. I'm like... If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. But, like, really, as an adult, 
like she was much older than I am. And so I was like, really, as an adult, you are falling back on the like, because I didn't like it, it must have been because I'm a girl and this is a movie that only boys can like. I'm like, you want to say it's violent and violence isn't your thing or like it was complicated and you prefer things that are less complicated or you like sweeter movies or romantic movies or whatever. That's fine. That's your preference. Yeah. But really, you're going to say it was a boy movie and that's why you didn't like it. That's ridiculous. So yeah, no, that's just and stupid. The best character in the movie is Thomas Winton. Thomas Winton is the best character in the movie. Okay, well, now we're here. Now we're here. It's time. I was thinking of this throughout the Part of the Ghostbusters. Part of the Ghostbusters. I was going to go with Gilliam until the reveal at the end. I was all excited to be the war doctor with crazy stump legs and all that stuff. You can still pick him. I will not. So, now, I was torn for a long time. Between Edgar and Runny Jumpy Guy, but I think I'm going Runny Jumpy Guy. Yeah. Because first, he's awesome. Like, okay. just came out of nowhere, running down the length of the barrels and like running up the side of the train. And I like all his cool tattoos. And then I realized at the end, you know what it is? He reminds me of the Viper. The Viper? Oh, the of Viper. The Viper and the Mountain. Oh, he's from, Pedro from, Pascal he in is. train form, and so I want to hang yeah. out with him. Sure. And I want to hang out with that guy. So really? that's my guy. Runny, jumpy guy. Who also, like, come on. I mean, he, like, puts his hand out to be stabbed just to protect Chris Evans. That's, that's pretty insane. badass. Who does that? Most people would just try to, like, knock the guy out of the way. But no, he just throws his hand well, in the way of a your, knife. Because putting, putting your hand in the way of a knife is generally ineffective, I would think. <laughs> crazy. So I'm going with that guy, because that guy probably has some things to say that I would like to hear. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for me, um, so, uh, look, Tilda Swinton's fantastic. I mean, I don't, Tilda Swinton is probably my favorite character Dude, of you the movie. Have a beer with Tilda no, 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 Tilda Swinton is fantastic. She's my favorite character in the movie. She's entertaining for every second she is on the screen. That's true. Not who I want to have a beer with. All right. I also briefly considered, um... The, the little guy who sketches everything. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Because I love that idea. That's another one of those like world-building things. It yes. like, seem like they're posing for a photo yeah. that's really well, a sketch. Well, that's film, is, yeah, yeah. film is extinct. Cameras right. are extinct. So yeah. they have to actually they just have to draw things, and that's what that's their version of pictures. Yeah. And the fact that he draws everything stuff. obsessively, like his yeah. record-keeping, but then, and like... I also like that he's already pre-drawn all those children, like exactly. to the point that when they then need pictures of those children he's to go find it. them, he's like, "Oh, I already have them." You know, yeah. it's not from memory. It's not like my, he's yeah. record kept yeah. everything. Not, not yeah. my yeah. Best work, but if you look in his eyes, you can yeah. still look deeply in his yeah. eyes. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Oh my god, that guy is kind of fantastic." Yeah. In fact, I might. You know what? I am. I'm just going to go with that guy because yep. I really, I really love that guy. His name is Clark Middleton. Um, I would be Clark Middleton. Right? I actually love that he was on uh, Fringe. He had a great little recurring role on Fringe where he uh, owned like a weird bookshop and he he helped out the, the main team on Fringe. Um, but my runner-up, who I was thinking about, wasn't real, but I, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go I with. I wonder little if your runner-up is going to be the person that I'm going to choose. Well, my Let's runner-up was my runner-up is Song Kang Ho is Nam uh, is, cool. is the gate guy. The gate guy is great. Uh, I mean, so he, you'll, when you, when you guys watch the host, he is like the main character in the host. Yeah. Um, and he's fucking awesome in that movie. Yep. Um, and he's, and he's great here too. He's like a weird kind of drug addict, 
Um, and, but he's really smart, and he has that great, great, great scene with Chris Evans mm-hmm. at the end. I mean, granted, Evans is doing the heavy lifting there, his but he's face, so but good But his now. face change is amazing. When, yeah. he, when he goes, like, I was really struck by the way he turned on a dime from being kind of, like, agitated and everything, and as soon as Chris Evans starts to tell his story and Nam realizes Words what going, his yeah. story is about, he's just completely still yeah. and completely attentive to what Chris Evans is saying, and it's very... It struck me very, you know. I also really liked their uh, translator devices. Yeah. Like, I really liked the way they sort of, like, pulled them out and then just, like, essentially threw them away. Like, we are not dependent on those translator devices. And, in fact, I felt like the audio mix, the the translate, when I was, the couple times where we were actually dependent on listening to the translator, it was felt a little quiet. Yeah, it's um, hard to hear. Yeah, but... Most of the time, it's just, no, it's just in subtitles, and we just assume they're using the translators. Well, I like, like, that, I like that sometimes you can hear the translators yeah. yes. super quietly in the background, wow, you're still even though they're just here speaking in Korean yeah, no, English, yeah. and you can read I, the subtitles, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that was such a great, easy way to do it. It's like, they yeah. have these devices, and we just assume they're using them, Again, and we're seeing the subtitles. audience is smart. It's yeah. like, you understand that really they're using the translators, but I'm giving you subtitles because it's a better way exactly. to hear it, you exactly. know, but we all understand what's so, happening. So I love that. Yep. Uh, Bart, what's your what's your choice for Heart of Ghostbusters? I almost went with Nam. Yeah. But no. Tanya. Uh, Tanya. Timmy's mom. Timmy's oh, Timmy's mom. mom. She yeah, was pretty Octavia bad. Spencer. She, she, was she refused to stay behind. She's like, I'm stronger than any of these skinny bastards. <laughs> she, <laughs> was, she was awesome. She was she a was badass. She was really committed. She was just funny. Yeah. Despite everything. She yep. was super badass. Mm-hmm. I feel like she'd be a great person to have a beer with. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Just like, who wants sushi? Yeah, line that up. <laughs> I was like, all right, you win. <laughs> yeah, that one line is fucking great. Yeah, it's just like nothing. And I was like, yes, all right. Yes, yes. I will. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm convinced. Yes, Tanya, for sure. Final thoughts on Snowpiercer? I think I probably just about does it for I Snowpiercer. I think, and I'm going to come, I think this is the best movie we've seen in a while. Yeah, I think it's so, in quite some time. I, yeah. and like, I know I overthink a lot of things, but I'm really curious if there are other pockets of people living in the world somewhere. I'd like, if other people had different ideas, like managed to carve out some sort of underground in place a mountain to live. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I want a sequel, but just because I feel like there's, n- like, mentally in terms of my, like, thinking about what's going on in the world of the movie, there's no other way for Yuna and Timmy to survive. Like, they can't yeah. single-handedly repopulate the Earth, you know? Right, like, they, no. There need was... to be other people somewhere, otherwise they die. And and it's also, it's also, I was totally unlikely. unlikely that, I mean, if you, you had all these countries, all these countries yeah. that launched a ship Seven into the Seven billion air, people. And, like, I mean, it couldn't have happened instantaneously. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, people yeah. still have fallout shelters. Oh, sure. There's yeah, no way. Somewhere, that, I mean, somebody yeah. is still oh, yeah. alive. No, I definitely. know it's been 17 years, but I feel like somewhere there have to be, like, full-on, mini, like, City of Ember-type yeah. Yeah. civilization there. somewhere in the world. I agree. It's Although, actually a Matrix movie. They're building a city <laughs> near the Earth's core where yeah. it's still warm. This is actually what's happening during Matrix. This is what's yeah, happening right. on the surface during right. Matrix, actually. Um, no, the the I was literally when they walk out of the train, it's just the two of them. I was 
literally doing the math in my head. I was like, okay, well, she's 17. How he's long five. until I can start having kids? And like, what's yeah. the, it was like, what can point is he, he's going to get old enough and she's going to not be too old? Like, how, what's the, how much time do we have there? Oh, that's right. 10 I, to 15 years. I, I, really, I really also like, so the, the Battle of Seven or Revolt of Seven? Revolt of Seven, Revolt of Seven, they said that the, the woman, the, the person in front, that's the woman she's in anyway. She's in anyway, yeah. Who had all the, and, you know, the thing about the different words for snow. Yeah. And this is the kind of snow that's melting. That's about to melt. Yes. Yeah. I really appreciated that because I thought it was going to be like, oh, that was my wife and blah, blah, blah. I did too yeah. for a second. I, I like, thought oh, it was going to be like, that's God. your mother. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, thank but God. But I was they also thinking, um, again, because I overthink snow. things all the time, yeah. I'm like, but like, what temperature does snow melt at? Like, obviously, I know water freezes at 32, but so does that mean, like, it starts melting at 33? Or, like, I was just trying to gauge their odds in well, terms of being able to survive. Yeah. Like, I want to know what the temperature actually right, no, is and out there. And in that vein, when he said the thing about the plane, at first it was just the tail, and now the wings are starting to fly. I was like, man, shifting winds, dude. Yeah, that's true, too. I was We're like, it's okay. a mountain, there's a plane. I also well, like, no, like I wouldn't mind though. Like seriously, that train was so damn awful that I'm like, I'll take my chances in the snow. Right. Like I don't care if I freeze to death in two seconds. I'm getting off that damn train. Well, and I think it's interesting. Is so now that we're basically talking about the end. Everybody dies. Like, oh, yeah. oh, they're all. When's the last time you saw a movie like that? We're just fucking. They just kill everybody. In the end. Yeah. I, I would have. I would have been willing to believe that more people in the front had survived than actually. Yeah, because they made it up. Well, to exactly the because right. it's like they were, and that's another thing. I was like, man. Tail section got stuck in the damn tunnel. Like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding me no, with this? But there. the fact that, like, yes, the explosion was in the front, but by the time the explosion triggers the avalanche, they're so far beyond the avalanche yeah. now that, like, that's all getting in the middle and the end of the train, and then part of the train was in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, but I would have been willing to believe that more people in the front, unfortunately, yeah. would have could have actually survived. They, that crash. they also probably would have been the least well equipped to deal I with know, them in the winter. So, except for those clubbing cars, <laughs> club cars. Coats. So everyone, everyone had coats and angel wings <laughs> yeah. for no reason. Okay, at all. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Why did they revolt at the end? Because they, they stole all their drugs. Yeah, they stole all their drugs. They stole all their drugs. Because they're crazy high and they stole all their drugs. Yep. Um, I like that it turned out they weren't really like on the drugs. They just were stealing all the drugs for. I think for they were on the drugs. Purposes. Well, yeah, it was a little above. It was yeah. a little bit above. Six, six and one yeah. But I, that was the other thing I really <laughs> liked about about Nam and his daughter was like they're sort of when we talk about oh you know um, and again we'll get on sort of Korean sensibilities of just sort of like yeah you see people doing stuff and you don't really understand why you don't really appreciate it all until the end. Um, they sort of were doing that through the whole movie, where they're like looking at something out the window, yeah. uh, or they see something. Sorry, speaking He's, of that, what was it? The stuff know. that was moving. Huh? He has the dirt in his hand. Oh, worms. Like, well, no, I know it was worms, but then he goes, he is looking at it, she's like, what is that moving? And he's like, and he suddenly gets really excited and drops all the dirt and is like super excited about something, and then when he's telling Chris Evans, like, now he's putting all the pieces together and explaining what he's seen oh, this whole yeah, time. Yeah. He goes, and then I saw, and it cuts back to that same scene where he's got the dirt, and he starts to laugh, and he's like, I can't even tell you. Oh, and then they never go back to it. Like, yeah. whatever oh, he saw, whatever he again. saw that made him so optimistic that they could live outside the train, they never, like, you know I, what? Wouldn't, I, think... I wouldn't believe inside and the dirt is no. they got fishing craft. No, no, no. What does that mean for outside? I think it's the polar bear. 
Oh, did he? You think he saw the I think he, I think he saw. I think he saw animals outside. I think he saw things out the window. I think he saw a polar bear or, or life outside. Because okay. they never was. go back to it. She says what's moving in the dirt, and clearly yeah. it's worms, but then it's something else that yeah, makes it know. really exciting. Out the window, yeah. And he never tells Chris Evans what it is. He just laughs and gets really happy. I think it's the polar bear. But you never know what it is he saw. I think it's the polar bear. Or, or uh, similar. Did Carlton Coombs and Damon Lindelof write this? <laughs> Sadly, always or happily, no. At least it wasn't M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> no, negative. Well, I think that probably closes the book on uh, Snowpiercer. It was good. It was really it good. It was really good. Go see it if you can. Um, if not, see it later. <laughs> so, what with it being a holiday weekend, there, you know, it was kind of a slow news week. Well, how are those new uh, Guardians trailers that I have not yet watched? Good. But I will. I will. I'm not on lockdown. There's, uh, there's an issue that I saw a little bit like a featurette thing that I actually really liked. Uh, it actually made, yeah, it made Drax look pretty good. Drax, there's like one really good like one-liner from Drax. And I was like, oh, that act- now all of a sudden they give a shit about that character. It was kind of great. But yeah, it was, a lot, it was a lot of trailer releases this weekend. That was, that was sort of like all of the news. There was a, a trailer for, and we didn't do. I know last week we said we we're going to do this new recurring bit about uh, our favorite trailer of the week. The only one, Dark, Dark City. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Which yeah. I think I said a couple weeks ago. I haven't watched Dark City in forever. I haven't watched that in ages. Yeah, so yeah. we were at the Brattle, so they they only show, they show two trailers, and you know, the Brattle is uh, they show new stuff like Snowpiercer, but they also show a lot of old stuff in reps. So. Uh, the two trailers they showed were for Hellion, which is a new movie with Aaron Paul, which looks good, and I would see it, but I, I mean, I don't, I, I would be interested in seeing it. I feel like I'm probably going to miss it um, in theaters. I will see it if you say, let's go see this. Okay. Otherwise, um, But then the other one, yeah, was for Dark City, which they're showing in which a couple weeks. Which I have, and I'll just watch Yeah, I, although I'm saying I've been meaning to watch the, uh, the director's cut of that. Yeah, that's, 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 really that's the one I have. Oh, really? I've never seen the director's cut, and I... Been meaning to watch it for ages. I hear it's really good. I don't think I've watched it since college. Oh, let's watch the director's cut. Yeah, I'll dig it up. I should some, do that it's somewhere. I, I would be totally down for yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I don't remember. I don't remember the story. Yeah, you've I seen Dark City, right, Jamie? I just remember the visuals of it, which are awesome. Yeah, no, the visuals are very distinct. And Rufus Sewell. And Rufus Sewell. From, that one from, time Rufus Sewell got to be the main character in a movie instead of the asshole of the movie. Well, no. Have you have you seen Cold Comfort Farm? No. Oh, you should see that. That yeah. movie is so much fun. Yeah? Yeah, well, you know who's in it. Yeah, we've, we've got uh, the girl from Underworld. Yeah, Rufus, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale, Ian McKellen, mm. Rufus Sewell, mm. and just like a bunch of other people. Love that. And, and it's just like cheeky and kind of weird. It's fun. It's a fun little movie. And I don't like period movies. Yeah. I just don't. Like what boring. period is it? Well, is who it? knows? <laughs> but I mean, is it like... Medieval shit? Or no, is it no, like forties? No, no, no. like, it's, like, the... uh, it's sometime in the past. It's, it's not it, now. It's, I wanna say it's like flapper. I know the title, but I just haven't seen the movie. It's it's not like it's not a fantastic movie, but it's fun. Yeah. Like, you can see it once or twice. Um Jamie, you haven't seen Dark City? I have not. Ooh. We should definitely watch it then. That's yeah, a good it's, one. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. weird, but it's, it's totally a boy movie. I don't know movie. if I want to see it if it's a boy movie. It's a total boy movie. Um, so there wasn't a lot else uh, in terms of news items for the week. Um, there's uh, Andy Serkis, um, who obviously, you know, famous for all of his motion capture work. It's, uh, it's Gollum, um, and then Caesar in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which we'll be seeing next weekend. The story came out this past week that uh, Andy Serkis is going to be doing motion capture for both Star Wars 
uh, and for Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, we don't know who or what he's playing in either movie. Um, he, he has like a, a motion capture consulting firm kind of thing that is called the Imaginarium that is doing consulting work uh, for both movies. Um, and he's got some part in each one. He's helping Mark Ruffalo with a lot of his work as Hulk mm-hmm. um, in Ultron. But he's also going to be playing some character. We don't know what it is. I don't think it's Ultron. I'm pretty sure Spader's doing that. The actual capture? I think he is. I we, don't know, we don't know who he's playing. Uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not Ultron, though. I'm pretty sure Spader's doing motion capture. I don't think he's just doing voice. I mean, he could be, but you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, but Andy Serkis being on any movie is only good news, so you know I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, the other one is just I think kind of inter- weird and interesting. Um, so there's this this script started getting passed around. I haven't read it um, the last week or so. Um, actually, probably even a little longer than that. Getting passed around the industry and getting passed around a couple movie websites, purporting itself to be the script for. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. So a lot of sites were running sort of not reviews of it, but were, you know, reporting on it and saying, oh, well, you know, we have the script and this, you know, Aquaman shows up in like part of page five and this villain is in it and that villain is in it and this character and that character and like this is what a lot of movie sites have been basing their reporting on. It, it's all hearsay. Well, here's, so here's what makes it like I, I saw that story and I was like, okay, that's interesting, whatever. What made it more interesting is that just over the, in the last day or two, uh, apparently uh, s- some people have come forward saying that they uh, were working for Warner Brothers um, and that they released this script out, they le- leaked this script out to insiders and agencies and, and movie websites, yeah. um, but that it's, not a, that it's not a real script. Um, and what makes it more interesting is that it's not like, oh, it's just some, like, fake bullshit script. The script was apparently commissioned by Warner Brothers specifically for the purposes of this information, and it may or may not have been written by Kevin Smith. What? Now, Kevin Smith took a crack at Superman years ago for Tim Burton, uh, back in when the Nicolas Cage time. I was going to say, was that a Nicolas Cage one? Apparently, uh, at some point in the development process, somebody at Warner's, whether it was Snyder or somebody else, uh, came to, you know, approach Kevin Smith about doing a script or taking a pass at a script or something, and he basically said, well, why don't I write, like, why don't I write this a script with kind of the same story, but with a bunch of details thrown off, uh, and with, like, a bunch of red herrings, basically, that you can then use as, like, disinformation. That is some bullshit. But I think it's, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Kevin Smith would be up for that. Because, I don't know. I mean, he's saying he's going to retire from movies, and, what, and then he no, keeps saying, no. and then he keeps he's, coming back and making more movies. Kevin Smith is an attention hog. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I understand that, yeah, there, it's it's like... Spy shots for cars. I mean, yeah. I, I get it, and you got to play the game. But there's playing the game, and then there's just being like dancing a dickless jig. Like <laughs> this, this is this is stupid. Well, it's not. Can, I have. I don't think there's any confirmation yet as to whether this is true. Um, like I said, this is people who are coming forward and saying I was working for Warner Brothers. 
We, right. we circulated these scripts no, and it's all bullshit I mean, there, and whatever. There's, there's like there are leaks and then there are lies and there's misleading on purpose. Yeah, I mean it's well, no, and it's it, it's a it's a real problem and it's really I think it's really interesting to see the different ways that studios are handling this because just so, make your goddamn movie already. Well, yeah, but so so like once upon a time it was like, yeah you could just sort of make these movies and websites maybe didn't have access or if they did it was like a big deal. Now it's like we all sort of expect to be, for a big tentpole movie because we all sort of expect to walk into the theater essentially knowing all the moving pieces before we even get in there. No, I um, don't. I mean, I, I actually I often don't want to. Like, no, like, I don't either. Like it's, I mean, honestly, at this well, maybe you're right because at this point it's fairly rare when I will go into a movie knowing absolutely nothing, like I did today. Yeah, and it's actually kind of a nice treat. Exactly. To know absolutely nothing. I didn't know what genre of movie I was going into today. <laughs> I had nothing. But, you know, seeing the different ways that different filmmakers and different studios handle this is really interesting to me. So, you know, you could take this approach, which is to throw out misinformation and try and fool people and, and throw people off the you set or whatever. Or you take, like, the J.J. Abrams approach, which is you just outright lie to people. Well, that's, that's what this, I mean... If, if this is false disinformation, yeah. that's exactly what they're doing. Right. And I do not approve of that. And I did not like it when J.J. did it either. I think yeah. it was bullshit. And it's just like, just make your fucking movie. Like, plug your holes. Make everybody sign non-disclosure agreements. Well, yeah, but shit gets out there. Like, fine. Then, I mean, it, then it gets out there. Right. So goddamn be it. If your movie is good, and if it's as big a thing as this should and will be, right. people are going to still fucking go see it. It's not like nobody would be like, oh, well, I don't like the, what the rumors said about what they're going to do with Clark Kent. I'm not going to go see it. They're going to go see it anyway. Yeah. It's just making yeah, anyone who cares enough to, like, look into this stuff is six months, months, eight months, 12 months in advance. Like, you're gonna, not going to lose their yeah, $12. Their, their ticket is pre-sold. Exactly. Like, it's stupid. But it's, it's stupid. you know, it's like JJ's obsession with, like, the mystery box. And, like, you, you go to, there's a, you know, there's a tipping point where you go too far, where it's like, JJ's so mystery old. box is just, it's just a box full of lens flares. Like, this <laughs> is nonsense. It's stupid. Yeah, it's no, stupid. It's, it's obsession with, and I, like, I, I, I appreciate, like you said, you know, it's like, I appreciate the intention, which is trying to replicate that experience of not knowing everything that's going to happen in the movie before you walk into the movie, of keeping the audience sort of in the dark a little bit, but, like, Fucking, I, I, I feel like I just draw the line at just outright lying to people. Well, okay, you know? think, think of it this way. I am a Godzilla nerd. Yeah. Okay, I watched every trailer. I watched featurettes. Mm-hmm. I looked, like, I looked into it because I'm a Godzilla nerd. Sure. Now, not knowing that the Mutos are Mutos <laughs> isn't going to change whether or not I go see the movie. Right. It's nonsense. Sure. And for the movie going, the general movie going public, aren't made of nerds. Then you know you want you want stuff to get out anyway. That's why you make trailers. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting you see, drawing the distinction between like the filmmakers and the studios in this regard, where it's like, you know, what what is the you know how at what point is the filmmaker involved in this? You know, so like literally J.J. Abrams and multiple cast members giving interviews saying Khan is not in this movie. If you heard Khan was in this movie, then you heard wrong. Khan is definitely not in this movie, and of course Khan's in that fucking movie. Yeah. You know? I mean, As opposed to this, which just right. sort of feels like the studio playing mind games with websites. I mean, the Mandarin reveal, for instance, 
That's the that's the perfect example yes. of how to subvert Fine. audience expectations. You tell everyone the Mandarin is in the movie, and then you actually create a reveal where the Mandarin is not who you think it is, and you don't even know that there's a red herring until you're three quarters of the way through the movie. Right. And that's, that's the way to do that. And that's fine. I don't have like I have no problem with that. But this is just like like writing a second script. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this is just stupid. This is a waste of money and a waste of effort and fucking. Well, Especially when you're talking about a movie that most people are kind of wary of. I am with. so wary of it already. When you then start doing stuff like that, then it just kind of seems like, are you spending more time on this than the actual movie? <laughs> Have you put this much thought into the characters you are actually using? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're, look, we're going to start to see this stuff come out right now. I mean, so they've already... Uh... The leaks. I mean, like, they're, they're the first reveal of... of uh, What's his name? As Clark Kent. I don't care. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's it's this actor in a tie. Yeah, exactly. Like, great. They, yeah. So there's a. And I mean that. I mean that one was was attached to charity. Fine. Yeah. That's fine. But they also did a reveal. You know, of, I mean, the Superman costume. Yeah. I can go watch Man of Steel. You idiots. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's not exciting. But it's filming now. So we're going to start to see these Why pictures is this trending. I don't. <laughs> we're going to start to see. You know, like gossip websites getting spy pics from the set of someone in a, a orange shirt and green pants, and oh my god, is that Aquaman? See, like, the reason why I drew the uh, the uh, comparison to the, the car reveal thing, right. because you know you have all these spy photographers taking pictures of cars that haven't come out yet because they always have to do testing and they run them around the Nurburgring. Oh, yep. And so what they started doing a while ago was because they realized that there's a whole industry of spy photographers is they have started writing hashtags and shit on the sides of their prototypes. And it's just like, see, that's just smart. It's like, fine, like, yes, we know you're taking pictures of this. And the only, I mean, they still put the heavy camo and, like, uh, like the padding, so you can't tell what the car's gonna look like. Sure. Kind of. Yeah. But after a while, like, I forget who it was. I think it was Jag or Land Rover or somebody. It was just like, we're just gonna put this thing on, and we're gonna put a skin of the car on the car. It's just like, this is what it's gonna look like. You thought you didn't know. Yeah. And come visit our website instead. Like fine, yeah. It, Don't I, insult my intelligence. I mean, I feel like. I mean, uh, the, the other thing that I think is interesting is, uh, and you know, maybe you guys have a better sense of this than I do. Why not just embrace publicity? You know, right? Well, I mean, so like again, in like in the film nerd community of like P- whether it's comic book nerds or film people, or whatever, like the people who are like actively looking this shit up like months and months in advance, right. like and and tracking all of this stuff, like. Look, we, we're the ones who are already going to go see this movie, whether it's bad or it's good or whatever the buzz is, we're going to see it. But, like, the normal people out there. <laughs> the like, weebs. Yeah, the norms. <laughs> like, who, who don't have any idea that this stuff's even happening. They're just, like, literally... Like, oh, we're going to see this movie today. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, to do later. In ten months, they're going to go, oh, there's a super... There's a movie? Wait, there's a movie with Batman and Superman? Like, they're that. not going to hear about it right. until the trailer comes right. out, you know? I mean, case in point, we went and saw Transformers, even though we knew it was going to be awful. Yeah. And I am willing to bet because we're part of the problem as we decided <laughs> last week. I was about to say we're going to go see Ninja Turtles. I don't know if we're I... We're going to go see Ninja Turtles. I, I honest, at this we point, have to go see Ninja Turtles. They're going to make a sequel and there's going to be more turtles with noses and you'll have only you know what? to blame. I have to be honest. After how bad Transformers 4 was, yeah. 
I'm not sure I can go see Ninja Turtles. Well, he didn't direct it. You know, Bay only produced it. He didn't direct I it. I don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you split hairs over who made the shitty movie? No, I'm still making money off of it. That's true. I am I'm sorry, sorry, Megan Fox is April O'Neil. Yes. Megan Fox. I know. Megan Fox I know. is April O'Neil. And her God dad invented the turtles, don't Yes, forget. that's true. Her dad is responsible for the turtles. <laughs> okay, but, but. It's like she's preordained to be their friend. But here's, here's what I'm, I'm going to stay home and watch, like, The Man with Two Brains. <laughs> Here's what I'm fascinated with, though. First of all, Johnny Knoxville plays Leonardo. Johnny Knoxville plays Leonardo. Fucking I'm ridiculous. Aware, I'm aware, and that guy... Second of all, William Fickner as Shredder. I, I don't care if the turtles... Yes! I don't yeah, care if the turtles are fucking claymation. Yeah. I don't care if they're fucking hand-drawn. Like, I would be happier if they were claymation. Uh, that'd be that'd be cool. Like, I, please give me the corpse of yeah. Ray Harryhausen <laughs> and make him come back and animate the Ninja Turtles for me. I don't care if the Ninja Turtles are marionettes at this point. That it, would also be better. <laughs> Have you seen being John Malkovich? William Fickner as the Shredder, I'm there. I don't care. I want to see William Fechner as a nine-foot-tall Shredder who has knives for hands. It's that iron. I want to see. He's going to be Iron Shredder. <laughs> um, also, Tony Shalhoub plays the voice of Splinter. I don't know if you're aware of that. Well, that but makes sense. Because the Monk is the, Splinter? The voice that Tony Shalhoub did in Men in Black. <laughs> uh, what's his name? The guy who his head loses his head, yeah. Yeah, he's almost Splinter already. Exactly. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, am, I love Tony Shalhoub. I do. I do. Also, I'm pretty sure there's a Baxter Stockman in this movie. Is it... I don't think he turns into a human fly, is, but is I'm it, pretty sure it, somebody plays... And that is it Joe Bluth? I, well, I mean, we can get that lucky. Uh, but Black Baxter Why? Stockman? Who is he supposed to be? Do we know who he is? I don't think... I don't know. I think I mean, he's, he's not Casey Jones, is I mean, who I think he's he is. Clearly, <laughs> he's clearly in the movie. Is he Irma? <laughs> Joe Bluth as Irma? It's possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. Shoot me. Um, look, any if I I'm just hoping we're this is all leading up to Krang in the sequel. Like Joe Bluth is Krang. <laughs> what if Joe Bluth has a Krang Quato underneath his shirt? That'd be fucking awesome. Where did the lighter fluid come from? <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's gonna happen. But that's not gonna happen next week. Next week we will be seeing uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh um, shit! I need to watch. The other one first. Yes. Well, well do that. If you want to come over to Mark. Yeah, I'm sure I have your copy. No, I have it. I checked yesterday. Whose copy do I have? I don't know, but it's not mine. Um, you want to come over tomorrow night? We're going to watch it tomorrow night with uh, Jeff and Jessica, who will also be joining us uh, on on the podcast next week. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, we, in fact, we've been watching all of the Don, all of the original Planet of the Apes movies. Really? For the last I've like, month or so. Even the I original like one, them. Yeah. the first movie we watched of all of Year of Terror. We watched the all of them again. The first one's the only one that's semi decent. That's a lie. That is that untrue. Is, no, that is completely. True. That is an untrue. That's all right. completely true. The third one I is the best one. I deserve to be slapped in the face. <laughs> all right, let's let's. Bust that's the second up. one. I know, and the, it's not good. No. It is in my list of movies that are not good. Except for the last five minutes, which are the reason you watch that movie. The third movie is the best movie, without question. But we'll talk about all this next week. We'll talk about all this next week, for sure. But next week, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I'm very, very excited about it. Is it Dawn of Justice of the Planet of the Apes? It might be the Dawn of Justice of the Planet of the Apes. Um, it's, the, it's, you know, my, I keep saying this, but, you know, my summer at this point, I feel like, 
Uh, Dawn of Planet of the Apes and Guardians. Of and, the I am, and I am just waiting for Guardians mm-hmm. to, so good. to top I'm everything. So for me, it's, I'm waiting on Guardians and I'm going to hold back until then. Yesterday we watched uh, the last of the original Planet of the Apes and uh, Jeff asked me what we saw. Uh, we flipped back to the TV and a commercial for Guardians came on and he said, what are you going to do if it's not that good? Which it is going to be that good, so that's not a worry. Uh, right? I mean, that, it's... That's like, not, not, not even a little part of me thinks that movie's not going to be awesome. Right, no, it's I know It's going to be awesome. And I, 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 and I don't even say this with the, like, you might have to eat those words. No. I it just is going to be awesome. I agree with you completely. I mean, yeah, it's a matter of... no way it isn't. It's, it's, it's not a matter of hope, it's a matter of expectation. I yeah. expect that movie to be great. No, but I'm not even worried. Yeah. It's preordained. Everyone knows their place. The Guardian is a turtle. Guardians of the Galaxy right. knows it's going to be awesome. All right, you can follow Bailey on the Twitter. <laughs> Groot is a turtle. <laughs> I'm Groot. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you guys for uh, joining me once again. Oh, uh, you're welcome. As always, you can follow along on the website, dailyscreening.com. You can follow me on the Twitter at Daily Screening on Facebook. Uh, and Twitter. you You're can, I know, and you can subscribe on uh, SoundCloud and on the iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, the iTunes. on the what iTunes. Is, uh, something happened last week. I don't know if the last the iTunes are broken. You yeah, the SoundCloud. The last week's episode did not make its way onto iTunes. I'm still trying to figure out why, uh, but I'm going to get that shit sorted. We had fun talking. I hope you had fun listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. Bye.